Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello and welcome to Pro-Life Primetime News. Today is Friday, February 3rd. I'm Leslie Palma. And in for Teresa Watson, I'm Anthony Vassone. In our top story tonight, we will be joined by pro-life activist Mark Houck, who this week was found not guilty on federal charges against him, stemming from an incident outside of Philadelphia Planned Parenthood in 2021. I will share with you the news from Minnesota and other happenings in abortion in the news. The RNC passed a new pro-life resolution. I will tell you all about it and other political news in Political News in a Nutshell. We'll close our show with some of the exciting interviews Teresa and I were able to conduct at the March for Life and the Students for Life Summit. You won't want to miss them. On Monday, a Philadelphia jury found pro-life activist, prominent Catholic, and father of seven, Mark Houck, not guilty on both counts of the bogus charges the Biden administration filed against him. Houck was charged with violating the Federal Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances, or FACE Act, when he was sidewalk counseling outside of Planned Parenthood. An abortion business escort accosted and bullied his 12-year-old son, and Houck stepped in to stop it. And in doing so, the pro-abortion volunteer fell down. Houck could have faced more than a decade in prison if found guilty. The not guilty verdict was a huge victory for Houck, his family, and all pro-life Americans. We are so honored to have Mr. Houck with us here tonight. Welcome to the show, Mark. Well, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. All right, so I, this is a question that all, all anchors, all news people ask. How did it feel when you got the, the not guilty verdict? Sure. When I came out, uh, they asked me the same question, and uh, I, I only described it the way that I felt in my heart was to say that I feel like George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, relieved, just just felt so blessed, uh, overjoyed, and just the love of the community that was surrounding me all week, and the world for that matter. Um, we were all together in it, and it just felt great. Mark, were you confident that this was the decision that would be handed down? Well, I knew I was innocent, so I was confident in, in my innocence. I was confident in the legal team that we've formed, which was a phenomenal group of lawyers from the Thomas More Society led by Peter Breen and probably the best trial uh, defense attorney in the country, Brian McMonagall. I was confident in that, but I, I would be lying if I told you I was confident that we would get a, uh, a not guilty verdict. I, I wasn't sure, even up to the very last moment, um, I, I wasn't sure that that, that was going to be the result. Well, we know this had to be an awful ordeal for your family. How did they hold up, you know, first that awful arrest and then uh, during this time awaiting the trial and then for waiting for, the, well, they didn't have to wait long for the jury, but how did they hold up for all of this? Sure. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of grace flowing through our home and the whole experience has been surreal for sure, but it's been a, a, a one of uh, great faith and trust and the journey uh, for them with mom and dad has been a, an opportunity to grow in our faith and our trust in God. And and even the little ones, you know, they, their constitutions don't really understand what happened, but but they're they're getting there. And um, to walk with them and for them to see the the results of this journey and the suffering and the sadness and the and the joy in the midst of all of it uh, will be a lesson that they'll they'll take with them the rest of their lives. Definitely. So uh, what's in store for you now, Mark? Will you be getting back out there and continuing your work in front of Planned Parenthood? 
That's right, Anthony. The mission continues, right? There's nothing, there's nothing stopping us from doing what God has called us to do and what we've always done for the last 20 years. So we're going to be back at the uh, the same location where this all went down next Wednesday. Now, my wife said, I'm coming with you with the seven children. So that'll be a special day to just be back there with them. Normally, it's just me or my son with me. Uh, but we continue the mission of the uh, of the ministry that we run at the King's Men, and we'll continue to help men. We'll continue to help moms and dads and and babies and uh, you know on the brink of termination. Uh, we'll be we'll continue to fight that good fight. Do you have any adv advice for any other street activists so they don't uh, run up against this type of thing? Well, then they know that they have the protection of the law, right? So. Uh, as sidewalk counselors and First Amendment rights, we do have that protection. So they should have no fear. Uh, they, the, You should know that the federal government offered me a plea about two weeks before this. I refused to take that plea. My wife would not allow me to take that plea. She wouldn't let me come home. I'm an innocent man. And I knew that this... This was a risk, but we needed to do it for the pro-life movement and for all those activists out there who want to express their views on both sides of the aisle that, that we had to move forward. And, uh, and, and thankfully, we had the result we had. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Mark. It, it was a real honor for us to spend some time with you. And uh, as we close, what would you like to say to your wonderful legal team at Thomas More Society? Well, all glory be to God for the result. I got to thank the jurors. They did a great job. I got to thank Judge Gerald Pappert for being fair and, and full of wisdom. And of course, Brian McMonagle, I've already sung his praises, but he's become a dear friend through this uh, phenomenal human being. And then Peter Breen and the Thomas More Society. Uh, gosh, they're the Calvary. If ever you have an issue with First Amendment issues in the government, Thomas More Society is where you need to go. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mark. Thank you. Great to see you. On Tuesday, Minnesota Gover Governor Tim Walz signed the most extreme abortion law in the country, legalizing abortions up until birth. The Protect Reproductive Options Act enshrines in state statute a fundamental right to abortion without limits or safeguards. The bill passed the House and Senate by narrow margins after Democrat leaders quickly pushed it through the legislature in the opening weeks of the session. The law allows abortion on demand even late in pregnancy when there is no debate that unborn babies feel pain. It also denies parents the right to know if their minor daughter is seeking an abortion. On Wednesday, U.S. Senators James Lankford of Oklahoma and John Thune of South Dakota, both Republicans, introduced the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, a bill that would ensure that newborns who survive an abortion would receive the same degree of medical care as any other infant. The House passed its version of the bill January 11th, with only one Democrat voting in favor. It shouldn't be controversial to say that the small number of children who survive an attempted abortion and are living outside their mother's womb deserve to receive care, Lankford said. Protecting life should not be a partisan issue. It should be an American issue and a human rights issue. This common sense bill is a basic standard of decency, Thune said, and it is an issue that should have overwhelming bipartisan support. The Satanic Temple plans to open an abortion business in New Mexico and to name it after the United States Supreme Court Justice who wrote the decision overturning Roe v. Wade. The Samuel Alito's Mom's Satanic Abortion Clinic will offer abortion drugs to women ages 17 and up who are up to 11 weeks of pregnancy, a week beyond the FDA's recommendation. Licensed medical workers will screen patients during a virtual appointment and then prescribe abortion drugs through pharmacies that will mail them in a discreet package, the group said. 
The Satanic Temple, which claims 700,000 members, believes killing unborn babies is a religious ritual, and its members are deeply involved in abortion advocacy. Leaders have said they don't believe in a literal Satan, so I guess they just like the name. Also in New Mexico, Attorney General Raul Torres last week asked the state Supreme Court to overturn abortion bans passed by the cities of Clovis and Hobbs and the community of Eunice. State Democrats also have drafted legislation to prevent cities from overriding state laws guaranteeing women's rights to reproductive health care. The legislation is due to be debated this month and has a strong chance of passing the Democratic-controlled state legislature. Attorneys general in 20 states have warned CVS and Walgreens that their plan to use the mail to distribute abortion pills would violate state and federal laws and that they could be liable if they proceed. Many people are not aware that federal law expressly prohibits using the mail to send or receive any drug that will be used or applied for producing abortion, the prosecutor said in letters sent to the companies on Wednesday. The Biden administration last month changed an FDA rule to make it legal for pharmacies to sell the first drug in the two-drug chemical abortion procedure. Prior to the rule change, mifepristone was only distributed by a limited number of pharmacies or certified doctors and clinics. In a related matter, Republicans in the Iowa legislature have introduced a bill that would make it a felony to manufacture or prescribe mifepristone. And that's abortion in the news. At its winter meeting, the Republican National Committee passed a resolution that called on Republicans to push laws that acknowledge the beating hearts and experiences of pain in the unborn, referring to heartbeat bans on abortions, which would outlaw the procedure after cardiac activity is detected at about six weeks of pregnancy. The resolution, which was passed last Friday, alluded to Republicans' disappointing performance in the November elections, months after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, but appeared to place the blame on GOP candidates who did not sufficiently publicize their anti-abortion views. Instead of fighting back and exposing democratic extremism on abortion, many Republican candidates failed to remind America of our proud heritage of challenging slavery, segregation, and the forces eroding the family and the sanctity of human life, thereby allowing Democrats to define our long-term position, the RNC resolution stated. Marjorie Dannenfelser, president of Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, criticized candidates for hesitating to talk about abortion. The RNC's pro-life resolution sends a bold message to GOP candidates, campaigns, and consultants that to win in 2024, they must stay on offense by drawing a strong contrast and exposing democratic extremism. Dannenfelser said in a statement after Republicans passed the resolution at their meeting in Dana Point, California last week. In 2022, too many GOP candidates used the ostrich strategy in which they put their heads in the sand, pretend the issue of abortion didn't exist, and Democrats spend hundreds of millions of dollars distorting their pro-life positions and defining them as extremists, she added. The resolution came as Ronna McDaniel won her fourth term as RNC chairwoman. The Arizona Secretary of State, Adrian Fontes, asked the state attorney general Monday to investigate and potentially charge the losing Republican candidate for governor with a felony for sharing images of voters' signatures online. Fontes, a Democrat, said GOP gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake may have violated a state law that protects a voter's signature from being accessed or shared by anyone other than the voter or an authorized government official in the scope of the official's duties. Violations of this law carry a Class 6 felony charge, 
the lowest level felony in Arizona. Lake posted the voters' signatures on Twitter on January 23rd, claiming they were part of a bombshell that showed mismatching signatures that shouldn't have been counted. The signatures she posted were from 2020 ballots. In his letter to the Democratic Attorney General, Chris Mays, Fontes asked that Mays investigate and take appropriate enforcement action against Lake. And that's political news in a nutshell. On Friday, January 20th, the first March for Life since Roe v. Wade was overturned took place in Washington, D.C. Many members of our Priests for Life team, I think there were 15 of us there, had the amazing opportunity to participate in the march and other events that occurred that week. Anthony, this was your first march. What, what did you think? Yes, indeed. Um, I, I know you've been many times, but mm -hmm. it, this was quite an experience. It, it, uh, it's actually a loaded question because the march was truly one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had in my life. It was an emotional roller coaster ride. Um, it was heartbreaking and uplifting at the same time. And listening to the testimony of so many women healing from abortion and their journeys, seeing women who were victims of rape proudly holding up signs saying that being a victim of rape didn't prevent them from loving their child, attending the memorial service for all the lost babies at the steps of the Supreme Court and laying the flowers upon the ground was, was one of the most emotional moments uh, for me. And at the same time, uh, through all of this, it was extremely disturbing to witness the behavior of the pro-abortion groups that were there just shouting obscenities and horrifying statements and falsehoods, mo most of which I, I couldn't even repeat in this or any forum. I mean, these stunts were pulled even during the somber moments of the Sunday memorial service at the Supreme Court, during testimonials, and even several outbursts right in the middle of our Friday morning prayer service at Constitutional Hall. It, it was really unnerving. But my takeaway from the whole experience is that these radical pro-aborts accomplished nothing. They had nothing of value to say and couldn't even answer simple questions posted to them about why they were there that were asked by roving reporters like Seth Gruber. Their answer to everything was to use the F word or make a finger gesture. I, I mean, it, it, was, it was juvenile. So what I know is that we here at Priest for Life and all of us in the pro-life movement actually make a difference every single day. Every day we save babies. These radical obscene groups just wake up angry every day. And some of them don't even know what they're angry about. They just being, enjoy being part of an obscene crowd. So I thank God for the opportunity to work for this amazing organization. And I will continue to go to every March for Life moving forward as long as God will allow me to do so. All right. Well, you said a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked. <laughs> so my co-anchor, Teresa Watson, and I had credentials for the media tent at the March for Life rally, and we had the opportunity to interview a number of pro-life leaders. Um, at the National Pro-Life Summit the day after the march, we also had the chance to find out what some other pro-life groups are up to. So we're going to share some of those interviews with you tonight, and we'll air more in the weeks to come. But I just want to say that I was a reporter for 30 years, but uh, it was a print reporter. My tools were a notebook and a pen, so please forgive me as I get used to a microphone and a camera. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Teresa had the opportunity to chat with Marjorie Dannenfelser, president of Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. 
Hello, I'm Teresa Watson with Pro-Life Primetime News, and I'm here today at the March for Life with Marjorie Dannenspelser, and she is the president of Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. Hi, Marjorie. Hey, thanks for letting me join you. Sure. Well, tell, how do you feel today, the first march? So after... excited. And would you say first march? Yeah. Absolutely. It's the first day of the rest of the pro-life movement's lives. This is the beginning of a brand new pro-life movement, demographically young, with wisdom and experience of 50 years behind it, ready to take on states, ready to take on uh, the, the upcoming presidential race. Um, it's an exciting moment. And we have gone from one front, mainly, in terms of legislation and, and politics, uh, one front, and education, obviously, to now arguably 50. So our job is to focus on the big wins and um, on, in the state level and on the federal level. So, and how are you doing that? How, what is Susan B. Anthony doing? So, so far, um, 13 states have passed strong pro-life laws. 17 states are in litigation. And we have four states that we think have great potential to pass uh, as ambitious as they can laws in their states. So we're, we're focused on um, two things in states. One is fighting to advance that legislation. Um, and then also, in a defensive posture, fighting to... Um, fighting to defeat ballot measures that would peel off all of those gains. There are not, between nine and 11 ballot initiatives that the pro-abortion side is putting on the ballot that will be up in, in the 24 uh, election. And those, those could just undo all of that work. So we've got to fight and win those. We've got to fight for the legislation. And then we have to be uh, establishing a very strong relationship for, with each presidential primary candidate who is pro-life, helping them be all they can be so that the best man or woman wins on that Republican primary stage. Amen. Amen. So looking forward to 2024. Oh, yeah, here we go. I know Father Bavone can't wait to go. And I, no one is better than Father Bavone as a partner in this. I love Father and uh, always will. Yeah, yeah, it's an exciting, very exciting time. Any predictions for 2024? No predictions, but, I, but the first step is to make sure that each one of them finds their voice. Any one of them that says that this is just a state job, that a president will have no role, is leaving California, Illinois, Vermont, 60% of the unborn children in the country exposed uh, and with no protection. So uh, establishing a federal minimum standard is the presidential responsibility for any pro-life candidate. What is your opinion about this new craziness of the abortion uh, pills being yeah. sold in local pharmacies? It's just an aspect of evil, an aspect of lawlessness, an aspect of a, of a movement that cares more about the institution of abortion than it does for women themselves, that they would expose them to the harm and grief of never experiencing a, a counsel from a doctor. Uh, no concern about whether they have ectopic pregnancies um, what, no concern about issues that would come up that would affect a future pregnancy. No concern for the woman because the institution of abortion is so important. I just wonder if sometimes they think to themselves, the ends justifies the means. If a handful of women die, well, that's okay because we still have abortion for all these other women. It is, it is outrageous. It's the worst moment that I've seen in the other side. And I've seen some bad ones over time. Where, there's, where they should be working with us on at least protecting the health of women instead of stripping away um, uh, protections and regulations that an, that, that an industry benefits from uh, uh, in their misery.
it's just it's just defies reality any kind of reason or compassion I was thrilled to be able to speak to Lynn Fitch, the Attorney General of Mississippi. Here's what she had to say. All right, I'm, I'm here with Lynn Fitch. She's the Attorney General of Mississippi, and she argued the Dobbs case before the Supreme Court. If, if not for you, we'd be having a different kind of march for life today. What, how does it feel to, have, to have, been, have this huge role in overturning Roe v. Wade? It's an exciting time. To God be the glory. We're all here together. We get to celebrate. It's an amazing journey we've been on. But now we take that next um, energy and we move forward. This is a compassionate pro-life movement. We'll take that and move forward. We've got some great next steps. But in our brief and in our arguments, we said, empower women and promote life. We asked the justices to give it back to us, to give it back to the people. They did. And with this Dobbs decision, it gave us some incredible opportunities for next steps. And you just said something interesting to me. We had uh, Representative Becky Curry here last year. She wrote the bill. I think she authored the bill. And you said, started with women and finished with women. Yes. So I, there's no way we can be criticized, I don't think, you know? No, no, we're very vested in it. Becky's a great friend and did amazing work. And it was just uh, such a blessing to be able to finish it with the Dobbs case. Uh, and now here we are. What, did you expect that the the ruling that you got? We, we did. We believe very positively. We took that case. We wanted to craft our brief like that, craft our argument, and we asked the hard question. We posted up early, overturn Roe v. Wade, turn, return it back to the people. And they, the justices believed that, and you know that's why we're here today celebrating. Where were you when you heard the leaked decision? I, I was there in Jackson, Mississippi, so... Unbelievable. Unbelievable is right. Exciting time. Definitely. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank on you. Life Primetime News. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for the messaging. Nice to meet y'all. Teresa had a wonderful time talking with Bob Unanwe, the president and CEO of Goya Foods. Hello, I'm Teresa Watson with Pro-Life Primetime News, and I'm here today with Bob Unanwe with Goya Foods, and we're at the March for Life. So how do you feel, Bob, being here at the march? Well, it's great. You know, I started this uh, within our company, an initiative called Goya Cares, which has to deal with uh, human trafficking, with ch children, child trafficking in particular. And it's, it's a shame that our children are always uh, victimized, attacked. You know, they're targeted. And, uh, you know, in this life movement, it's about the same thing. You know, the children are under attack, and not just the children, the, the women too. Uh, I always ask the question, what's the difference between major surgery and minor surgery? Major surgery is when it's on you. And so the women who have to abort a child, uh, they're victimized because they get pressure from a lot of people. But at the end of the day, everyone else says, hey, let's go have a beer, but the woman is left with a scar for life. And, you know, we just need to protect our children. And the woman, the, the child has been targeted from day one. Margaret Sanger, who started Planned Parenthood, said, we need to raise flowers, not weeds. It was so horrific, so racist, that in other words, the, the minority, the black, the brown, the Asian, is not worth uh, having a life, and, and we're they're attacked for that. So, you know, we got to move as a country. 
and in our hearts closer to God. Uh, this is not God like to destroy life. We got to love and build, not hate and destroy. And this is the ultimate hate and destruction. Well, you're here today as a guest of Priest for Life with Frank Pavone, and uh, we've been like, traveling around. I know your family are very strong Catholics, correct, and Christians. And um, so, tell us a little bit about your faith. Well, my faith comes from my father and mother. My father died in 1976. In 1973, uh, he left, and we all left with him, six of us and our parents, for Spain. He didn't want his money going to fund abortions, and he left the country. So uh, he, that faith has been instilled in us from day one, and uh, I'm so grateful for that faith. You know, God has chosen each and every one of us. Before, he knew us before we were even formed in the womb. And we have to have a purpose in this life. You know, our company was never stopped working. And we had a, a purpose. And so this has been an attack on, you know, when we sh are shut down as a world, as companies, as a nation, we lose our purpose. And we have to have... Because we're given this life, we have to have a purpose. We have to have a reason to get up every day. God, family, life, work. We've got to love and build versus hate and destroy. Amen. Well, I work for a Christian organization, and I know it's always a blessing when we begin our day at our briefings and we, we begin with prayer and, uh, you know, we have the freedom to pray. And I'm certain it's the same at Goya Foods. Is that correct? It is. And, you know, my father... Uh, famously told my sister when he was, uh, she was uh, a nurse. She studied to be a nurse. And my father said, what's your goal in life? She said, well, I want to be a nurse. He said, no, what's your goal in life? He said, I want to be a nurse. He says, no, your goal in life is salvation. And so we base all of our work, everything we do on that, on getting to salvation. And in order to get to salvation, we have to love we got to build, we got to care for each other, care for the least of these. And, you know, we all make many mistakes. I, I'm probably the worst at it. But God's mercy is divine. And uh, we were recently over in Poland and Ukraine. We had the chance to stop into Krakow, where St. Faustina lived. And she had the image of the divine mercy. And God's mercy is infinite. We don't understand it. And so no matter what our faults are, we know if we change our hearts at the end of the day, we're forgiven. So that gives us great hope. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today. And, thank you, uh, Teresa. Thank you. And I'm Teresa Watson with Pro-Life Time Time News with my guest, Bob Wunderman. I was able to spend a few minutes with Chuck Donovan, the president of the Charlotte Lozier Institute. He had some interesting things to share. Hi, I'm here with Chuck Donovan. He's president of the Charlotte Lozier Institute. And I understand you've been in this fight since 1971. Uh, that, that's the truth. I started out at the University of Notre Dame and under the tutelage of a professor of law named Charlie Rice, who's a revered figure for many in the early days of the pro-life movement. And so you got involved there. Abortion was already legal in a few states. And did you see it coming worse <laughs> down the pike? Well, as a constitutional lawyer, Charlie Rice did, and he knew the underlying cases. Uh, the court had already accepted, I believe, Roe v. Wade uh, from, from at the appellate stage. So uh, he warned us it was coming. He expected bad, and it was as bad as he expected or worse. 
And now, what do you think now? Now that Rose overturned, what do you what do you see happening now? Well, I I think I talked recently. Someone said asked me if I expected it to happen, and I would just say it was a day to day thing. There were days I thought we're on the verge, and then you get the disappointment. And then under the Clinton administration, we thought we were doomed, and uh, lo and behold, God willing, work continuing. We we have it now this celebration for life. So what do you think is the most important thing for the pro-life movement to do now? Uh, you know, we've exhibited patience for 50 plus years, build a network, an immense network of pregnancy help. Uh, we've avoided the worst tendencies of our times, which is to respond with invective, hatred and violence. A very positive movement. Most important thing is to keep on keeping on with what we're doing right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Teresa spent some time at our Priest for Life booth at the National Summit. I was one of the staff members who helped organize, set up, and spend time with the wonderful attendees of the summit. Here's our conversation with Teresa and Rico Kermi. Hello, I'm Teresa Watson with Pro-Life Primetime News, and I'm here at the uh, Students for Life Pro-Life Summit. And I'm here at our booth at Priests for Life and uh, want to show you some of our products. But I want to talk to um, the two people that were very instrumental in pulling this booth together. And that's Rico Carme and Anthony Vassone, who run our resource department. And if you do call our store or our office uh, to talk about our products, you'll speak to either one of these gentlemen. So Rico, how's it been going? It's been going on very well. I've been uh, coming to this March for Life and the uh, Poor Life Summit for the last four years. And definitely it's uh, an evolving event, uh, seeing a lot of different people, a lot of different leaders, and I'm just be uh, just glad to be part of it. Absolutely. Well, Anthony, this is your very first March for Life. How was it? It's been amazing. It's been a whirlwind, and uh, it's, it's so exciting to see the enthusiasm, particularly at this event, the, the students here are just so involved and so uh, into the event and our merchandise is flying off the shelves, which is just fantastic. So it's been an overwhelming and exciting time for me. Absolutely. Well, Rico, what's been the top selling product? What are people liking here? Well, so far, uh, it's our, our mother chose life. We have it in the navy and white and, uh, and actually we also have it in cranberry and white as well. So those have been the hottest selling items for today, as well as our new products is a pray to end abortion and a white t-shirt, double-sided and a hoodie. If we could stream right here with, that's double-sided with a zip up hoodie right here and behind Anthony Vizone. Hi, this is the uh, burgundy version, uh, which is a pullover hoodie as opposed to the zip up version. Uh, everything has been selling really well. And if you walk around, people have already put on the merchandise that they've purchased from us, which is very cool. Yes, I've been walking around myself and seeing, I'm like, oh, that's a great sweatshirt. Well, Rico, you're actually sporting one of our new products. Yes, this is our new promotion. It's a winter cap and it's a whole tie into a, the whole ensemble with the matching white and blue uh, t-shirt and hoodie, which is also says pray to end abortion. And coming soon will be also the burgundy and gray uh, pray to abortion um, beanie as well. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So where can people go to get our products if they're not here at this amazing event? You can go to ProLifeProducts.org and you can order any of the products that we're featuring here and many others that we are, we're not selling here. But if you're here at the summit, come to our booth because you're going to save money if you buy it here. 
absolutely. Well, thank you very much. I'm Teresa Watson. Teresa and I got to reconnect with uh, Dr. Alveda King, founder of Alveda King Ministries and a, and a colleague of ours. Hi, we're here with Alveda King, founder of Alveda King Ministries. She's a longtime civil rights activist and pro-life activist. Great to see you, Alveda. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Teresa. And I'm telling you, we could be Charlie's angels. I think we look pretty good, don't you? <laughs> I want to be Kate Jackson. Okay, okay. <laughs> but isn't it great to be here? Aren't, aren't we happy? Uh, we are. We're yeah. so happy. I didn't know that I would be at a March for Life after Roe was overturned. So that's amazing. Well, we thought about it, and then we've actually had these conversations. And as Christian women who are devoted to the sanctity of life, we kind of knew we were going to have to keep going. But what I'm encouraged about, especially over at Priest for Life, and I'm on the board, and I'm still a family buddy, but. Uh, we know that we have to keep carrying this message. But you know the thing that excites me, Teresa, you're a new grandma, you know. Yes. Yeah, and so, you, oh my goodness, <laughs> look at that. And you know, I've got them too. But when we see the young people in droves showing up every year, and now, but uh, we've got to do something to make sure that they're doing that on the state level. What's happening with that? How can we make them do the same thing on the state level that they do every year. Well, there are more marches, more statewide marches now, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Ohio. There's more being organized. Okay, so, I yeah. did not know yeah, that. Yeah, Florida so just had one, St. Augustine, Florida, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. well, see, as long as we do that, yeah. we shall continue to overcome and occupy. So I never, I don't think we shall overcome anymore. I say Christ has overcome, but we have to take it. Even our own uh, camera guy is an intern, and he's young too. And it's about, he's doing a good job too. I'm excited about that. So when I see the young people, I'm always sure that God is with us and that we are growing. Amen. So what are you, what are you up to, Alvita? What are you working on now? Well, now you know I've got a cooking show <laughs> on Fox Nation and I'm still cooking and talking about hard topics. So I'm doing that. I'm producing more music. That song, We Shall Overcome, we covered it found an artist who was singing We Shall Overcome. So it's out there as well. Redid Impossible Dream, Leslie. You know that has always been a favorite of mine, but the Impossible Dream is not totally impossible. So I'm doing music, still writing, speaking for life, and that kind of thing. So you're taking it easy. Oh, Lord. <laughs> but it's different. Uh, yeah. uh, now listen, here's some trivia tidbit. We had the prayer service this morning. Father Frank did preach, of course, and he did well, but Janet and I both had red and black outfits on today. <laughs> yes, so if you yes. want to see the outfit, and we were coordinated, Jan, Jan is my sister, my friend, and so that's just trivia. I just thought yeah. I'd throw that in. So what number march is this for you? I'm you not. Know? I was trying to count it because I began to go with Father Frank and then Janet Silent No More before I came to work for Priest for Life. So it's been like two decades for real. I might have missed one or two along the way. But I've been marching since uh, probably 99. Wow. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Elvita, so much for, for coming and uh, spending some time with us. And right. uh, we appreciate it. I'm Teresa Watson with Pro-Life Primetime News. And I'm Leslie Palma. And I'm Elvita. God bless y'all. <laughs> All right, so you say you're going to go back, and uh, <laughs> we didn't I, yeah, as crazy as it sounds, and uh, as stressful and uh, emotional as it was, I can't wait for uh, the next one to come along. So. Yeah. So until until abortion is abolished, we'll be there. We'll keep fighting the good fight. Yep. Yeah. All right. 
Thank you so much for joining us on Pro-Life Primetime News, produced at Priest for Life headquarters in Titusville, Florida. We hope you will join us every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We hope you will support this show and all of our broadcasts by making a donation to ProLifeGift.org. These donations help fund all of our work here at Priests for Life, which enables us to continue educating, equipping, and activating the pro-life community to end abortion. Thank you for joining us. I'm Leslie Palma, Communications Director. And I'm Anthony Vassone, Resource Associate. Remember, life is the only choice. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.